Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful who are gathered here and there out of love for you. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You perhaps don't know, but every year, Southern Methodist University sponsors a conference called the Conference of the Professions. And uh, several years ago, I was asked to be a part of that conference and speak on a panel. And they held the meeting at Scottish Rite for Children's Hospital. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to that hospital, but it specializes in orthopedic work and some other important work for children. And it's transformative. I mean, it is absolutely, utterly transformative. Uh, dealing with children with uh, spinal issues or uh, needing uh, prosthetics and, and so much more. I mean, it does so much. And it's a beautiful, beautiful children's space. Well, we had uh, an amazing conference there. The conference gathers attorneys, religious leaders, and doctors and other medical professionals to address pressing issues of the day. And I was part of a panel of speakers asked to address the challenges of violence against children, particularly as related to race. I felt a little awkward about that because uh, certainly I'm a majority culture person. So, but I agreed to talk. And um, so in my talk, I spoke of how weary I was growing of the fight. You know, how, how sometimes the work of justice is so uh, wearying. I mean, you know, you work and you work and you work and it doesn't feel like you move the needle at all. You give of your heart and your mind and your soul to help others and it doesn't feel like anything's improving. Well, during the question and response period following the panel, um, an African-American woman rose to speak. And she said this, I can't grow weary. I don't have the luxury of growing weary. I must stay in the fight for the sake of my children and all children, and particularly children of color. And then she asked her question. I don't even recall what her question was. But I remember her, and I remember what she said. And I had the wherewithal to thank her for her response, her inspiring response to continue in the work for justice. And as I read today's gospel story, I couldn't help but remember that moment in my life at that conference, the, the persistent widow, the persistent woman who stood in that room, 500 people, and spoke her truth, right? Now, approaching Jerusalem, Jesus continues to teach his disciples and followers on the way to Jerusalem. And as he approaches the end of the journey, I, I imagine he can't not think about the hereafter, about dying and what is there for him in God's presence. He can't help but consider what the disciples will do when he is physically gone from them, 
Will they be faithful and usher in God's realm as he has tried to bring them to? This week's parable is Jesus' response to questions like this. As Jesus says at the end of this select passage, will they be faithful? Will I find them faithful? Will we? Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we hear stories that include the most marginalized of people. The Gospel of Luke is particularly turned toward this discussion. The widows and orphans and immigrants and others who deserve special care and respect and who rarely get that. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that Jesus uses as his central figure for this parable a woman, a widow, the lowest of the low on the ladder. Unusually, Jesus begins the parable by actually stating what the parable is designed to do, right? Usually, Jesus plays a little game with the parables, you know, tells the story and waits to see if people are going to figure it out or not, or leaves it wide open, as in the parable of the prodigal. What's going to happen? Is the older son going to go into the banquet or stay on the outside, right? But here, Jesus actually says at the very beginning, the purpose of the parable is to teach people to pray always and not to lose heart, not to be discouraged. So as the story goes, an unjust judge initially refuses to grant justice to this widow, widow who has appealed to him. But she persists. She persists until the judge finally agrees to her request for justice. Now, our translations don't give the full impact of what the Greek actually says. And I don't, I, I took Greek, I don't remember anything about it, but <laughs> I, I can tell you that I read some about it, and this, you know, the, actually uh, what the Greek says is, um, I'm gonna have it, I'm gonna give her what she requests because this widow causes trouble for me. I will give her justice, so that she may not, in the end, give me a black eye with her coming. That's, that's the literal translation, that she's going to come in with a right hook, right? In the Gospels, Jesus also uh, will use phrases like, how much more, to form an argument. For example, encouraging prayer, uh, Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Right? Our parable today implies the same. If an unjust judge eventually gives in to a persistent request by this widow, how much more will God, who is the just judge, who is just, grant justice to God's beloved children. So take heart. Don't be discouraged. In the end, this parable is one of the many portraits of faith we find in the Gospels. And as usual, here faith looks more like being bold than being pious. 
it looks more like a persistent widow demanding justice, even threatening a corrupt judge with a black eye. This is no Milto's faith. Mm -mm. This is faith on earth, a tenacious confidence in the face of circumstances that could easily lead to despair. You know despair, don't you? We've been feeling despair since, well, let's see, 2020? Maybe a little further back. This is the faith about keeping at it, hoping against hope, refusing to take no for an answer. And this portrait of faith is also, as you might imagine, about prayer, not a meek prayer, but rather taking a stand before God. This is a prayer in the line, in line with the psalmists who, who sing, do your job, God, do it now. People are making fun of us because we worship you. Do your job, God, now. We need you now, not later, now. In Jesus' day, uh, people prayed standing, arms out, palms up, eyes open, voice clear. Evidently, the Psalms were the widow's prayer book, and perhaps it should be ours too. So, here we are in the meantime, 2,000 plus years from the writing down of this parable. I think we know, I think you and I in our hearts in our minds, in our souls, in our very being, know what the realm of God looks like. We know when we see it. We know about an era that brings injustice and love, peace and joy. We know what that feels like. We've seen glimpses of it. We've felt glimpses of it. But what about all the injustice? What do we say to that? What about the hate and the conflict and the sorrow here and now? What does faith look like in a world like ours? And here's the big challenge for us. We've heard this parable before. How many of you have heard this parable before about the persistent widow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we can misunderstand this parable as we can much of Jesus' teachings. We might draw from this parable that God will grant whatever justice we ask for because we're the beloved, right? And if we ask for it but don't receive it right now, maybe we're not God's beloved. But this isn't really the point of the parable. Jesus acknowledges that God's realm of justice has not yet arrived. And I think we could say the same. 
So Jesus is urging them to remain active, to remain faithful, to be courageous and prayerful in the meantime. No matter how long it takes. Keep calling on God and keep trusting that in the end, justice will be done. And sometimes we have to wait a long time. And sometimes we have to let go of actually thinking it might happen, right? We have to wait. And in the meantime, we are to remain active and faithful and courageous and prayerful. It was their challenge then. It's our challenge now. But you and I are people of the good news. Our central story, the most important story of our living, is the Paschal mystery. We are born. We live. We die. And we are resurrected. And you know, that Paschal story plays itself out every week in our lives. We see it happen in the news and on social media. We see it happen in our own lives. We see it happen in the lives of others that we die and are born into new life. And sometimes those are little deaths, you know? Sometimes they're real big and sometimes they are the final death. Well, eventually for all of us, right? But I want to tell you something. Our good news is this, that one day, and in fact, some days, even now, oh, even many days of our living, God's realm comes upon the earth, and justice comes. We have to be awakened to it. We have to watch for it. We have to see it. For Jesus, there's no question about it. The question is whether we will be able to trust and persevere in the meantime whether we follow the widow's example or instead fall back into discouragement. When the human one comes now, right now, or in the future, there and then, will we be found faithful? Some days yes, some days no. But we always have a chance to start again, to draw closer to God again get up again. This final question about being found faithful then contains both a declaration and a challenge. The declaration is radiantly good news. Yes. Despite appearances, Jesus, the living risen Christ, has come, is with us, and will come again and again and again as long as it takes. And God's realm of justice and love will arrive, and our faith shall not be in vain. One of my favorite UCC pastor colleagues is Reverend Molly Basket at First Congregational Church, UCC, in Berkeley. In her devotional this week, the UCC Still Speaking devotional, she told of hearing Reverend Dr. William Barber II. Reverend Dr. William Barber II is on the front line of justice work for the poor. He started the, the Poor People's Campaign. So he told a story that she heard him tell about Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth. You see, some years before the Civil War ended, slavery 
Frederick Douglass' energy for the abolition movement was waning. He had succumbed to depression, sure that God, if God had really intended to liberate black Americans, God would have done it by now, right? He had to give an inspiring speech, but he lacked the spirit. So while he was talking, Sojourner Truth stared hard at his weary face from across the room and stood up and opened her mouth and hollered at him, Frederick, is God dead? Startled, as you might imagine. He was startled out of his despair. And he stood up and found his voice. And Douglas kept going for decades after the war and after the Emancipation Proclamation and even after all things backfired and Jim Crow came about. He didn't stop. He kept going. He kept going. Amy Basket writes this. The night is sometimes so long, impossibly long, how can the earth have gotten so stalled in its orbit that the night lasts forever? How long can such horrors, such suffering, such stuckness, such polarization, such fear and distress and confusion possibly continue? If God were going to fix it, whatever the it is that is wearing us down, surely God would have done it by now. But it is Dr. Barber who reminds us that even the greatest liberators in history have had their long nights of the soul. There's an old story. It's told about Jesus Christ's return to heaven after his ascension. As Jesus arrives, uh, Jesus is greeted by the archangel Gabriel who can't help but ask, well, now that you're back, what is your plan for telling the world that you poured out your life in love so that they would trust how much God loves them? Jesus replies, well, I asked my followers if they would make it their life's work to live and love God and all others faithfully as I taught them and to tell them of God's great love for them. And Gabriel immediately jumped in and countered, what if they fail? What if they don't tell anyone? What if they're ashamed or afraid? Then what? And Jesus looked lovingly at the archangel Gabriel and said, that's the plan. There is no other plan. I am counting on that. My friends, that's the plan. The plan for God's realm to come upon the face of the earth. The plan for God's justice to reign for all people. It's just us. Just us. Amen.